Welcome to the Exam Study Expert Podcast, helping you ace your exams at school and university through the psychology of high performance and the science of studying smarter, not harder. It's my pleasure to introduce your host, the Cambridge-trained memory psychologist and exam success coach, William Wadsworth. Hello and welcome back to the Exam Study Expert podcast and to a brand new season of episodes. Kicking things off with a great one for you today, I'm going to be sharing some of my biggest lessons in hindsight from my own days as a student. Uh, Some uh, good stuff coming up in that. Um, But before I get into talking about that, I just wanted to give you uh, a bit of a sneak preview at what's going to be coming up over the next few weeks here on the podcast. I'm going to be running with two uh, intertwined complementary themes for you over the next few weeks. The first theme is all about how to study effectively. And by this, I predominantly mean how to memorise information effectively, uh, learn your stuff for your courses. Uh, but there's more than that as well. Uh, so I'll be touching on things like routine, uh, getting into the right routines, uh, productivity, uh, as well as techniques that will help you if you're studying sort of non-knowledge kinds of work, like, for example, to, techniques to help you practice math problems. <laughs> The reason I wanted to bring this uh, series out is, you know, we've had a ton of really good advice uh, between my expert guests and hopefully some from me as well, uh, scattered throughout our 64 episodes to date. Uh, The trouble is, for a new listener, I think it's now pretty daunting to know where to start. And even for long-time listeners, perhaps there's a problem of, of, you know, how to prioritise which bits are most important and what you need to, to think about doing first. So for some time now, I've been wanting to put together what is essentially a mini audio course, bringing together all the most important things you absolutely need to know about the actual mechanics of studying faster and remembering more. So Part of this is going to be a little bit of a reminder of just some of the most absolutely important ideas we've covered on the podcast to date. But there's going to be much, much more than that as well. Um, In some of the episodes we'll get into as part of this series, I'm going to be breaking down for the first time actually how I recommend using some of the strategies uh, that often come up in conversation with uh, guests, for example, talking about learning science. For example, I'm going to have a whole episode on actually how to use flashcards because they're an incredibly powerful technique, but there are so many common mistakes I see when people try to use flashcards. Um, So there's going to be an episode on flashcards. We're going to have an episode on note making, including some vastly superior strategies you can use to supercharge your note making if you like to make notes. We'll have an episode on mnemonic techniques that you can apply to learning even the most challenging sets of data you could be faced with uh, in academia. And as I mentioned, there'll be an episode on Uh, better ways to practice maths style problems, not just in maths, but also in the sciences, engineering and more. And as always, everything we cover in this series of episodes will be absolutely rooted in the science of memory and the psychology of learning. But perhaps even more than normal, it's going to be, it's going to feel incredibly, incredibly practical. Uh, You're going to leave with the, just the absolute essence of what you actually need to sit down and do if you want to study effectively. 
So I'm really excited to bring you all of that. And I mentioned there were two themes running throughout this season. So on alternate weeks, interspersed with the series on how to study effectively, I'm going to be bringing in um, guest experts of a slightly different kind to normal. Because while it's great to hear from, you know, people, experts in education or psychologists that are studying all this stuff, what I think is has been missing uh, from what we've done to date is hearing from many real students. So we're going to be putting that right this season. And I'm handing over the mic uh, to real students who are going to be sharing their real stories of challenges and success. Some of them are coaching clients who've been working with me on their study strategies. Some of them are podcast listeners who've got in touch over email and we've made friends and I wanted to bring them on to share their stories. My student guests come from all four corners of the world, from the UK to Australia, South Africa to the Bahamas, and between them, they cover all stages of the student journey. So we've got high school students, uh, students who are still at college and university, recently graduated students who can look back on their college and university days with a bit of hindsight, and even a professional who's taking exams as part of her career. There are two main things I want you to take from this series on uh, student stories, real student stories. The first is to help you go ahead and actually apply all the strategies we talk about on the podcast, both in the past and particularly in the upcoming uh, How to Study Effectively season uh, I was talking about. Again, there's only so much I think we can learn from listening to, you know, such and such a professor of learning psychology. Like, I love those episodes. And I really do think we need to hear from those experts. But there's uh, another dimension entirely that you get from listening to students like you who are actually using these strategies every day to overcome challenges and succeed in their work and on their courses. So you'll hear plenty of examples throughout the student stories season of how real students are making the science of studying smart actually work for them in the real world, getting real results on real courses. And I hope that inspires you too to try and take action and incorporate some of the strategies we talk about here on the show into your own work and achieve the same kinds of real results and real success in the real world. And the second thing I want to uh, achieve with the Student Stories series is a little inspiration and encouragement. Because to some degree or other, all of the students whose stories I'm sharing have overcome challenge. They've got past finding things difficult. They've turned around their performance from struggling student to A grader. I'll be unpacking how they did it, of course, talking about the practical bits and strategies they used, the techniques they were working with. But more than that, I, I also hope to prove to you that it is possible to turn things around, even if you hit challenges in your studies. You may remember we had the uh, really excellent conversation with Professor Tim Wilson on the show earlier this year, uh, back in episode 42, talking about the power of the stories you tell yourself and how important it is that these are the right stories. So, for example, uh, the wrong story might be uh, seeing struggle and setback as a sign that you're not good enough, whereas a much better version of that story would be seeing struggle and setback as a sign that maybe you need to change something about how you're approaching your studies. So if your story at the moment is less of, uh, you know, I can do this, how can I turn this round, and more a story of, well, I guess I'm probably not good enough for this course, then 
one of the most powerful things that can help you change that kind of uh, negative story is listening to stories of people like you who've gone before you, faced similar struggles at first, but found a way to succeed in spite of them. If they can do it, perhaps you can too. So lots to look forward to in the weeks to come, both with the How to Study Effectively series and the Student Stories series. I hope the two will complement each other really nicely and end up uh, with a really, really strong season uh, that uh, really helps you uh, in your studies and to achieve the success you deserve in your courses, no matter uh, what you're studying. So please do stick around uh, and enjoy what's coming up for you in the weeks to come. I'm going to kick off things today with a a bit of a lighter look at my own student story. I'm not going to give you every twist and turn of the whole journey of, of my life as a student. I will save that for my forthcoming memoir. Um, I'm joking. I'm not actually working on a memoir. Um, <laughs> instead, I want to give you a rundown of four pivotal moments and decisions from my time as a student at Cambridge, where I'm really glad I did what I did and where I think I really made the right call uh, that eventually you know, helped me on my way to graduating with a first-class degree uh, in psychology management studies. And I hope some of those lessons might be useful for you to hear. But this episode isn't all about uh, patting myself on the back and saying, well done, uh, far from it, because I'll also be sharing the four things I most wish I'd done differently with the power of hindsight and with knowing what I know now about the world of studying smart and studying effectively. And again, I hope there are some lessons to be learned uh, for you to help you try and avoid some of the mistakes I made. So I'll be pulling out those lessons and learnings for you as we go along. Let's do this. My first glad I did moment actually slightly predates my time at Cambridge. It's from when I was interviewing for the university in the first place. My chemistry and biology teachers had teamed up together to give me a mock interview, which was incredibly kind of them and incredibly important for me, uh, not because I did especially well, mind you, but precisely because my performance in that mock interview was so mixed. I'm sure I answered a lot of the questions very well. To be honest, I can't quite remember. Um, but I certainly do remember uh, one or two of the questions in particular where I was painfully bad. Uh, and as you can perhaps hear, the memory is still making me squirm thinking about it, even right now, all these years later. This is the power of mock interviews, though, and indeed of mock exams. The whole principle being that uh, they can highlight those places where we need to do more work. Or to put it a slightly less kind way, they can be a right kick up the backside uh, for us to buckle down and fix the things we really need to fix about our interview performance or, or exam performance, depending on what you're preparing for. And so it was for me. I swatted up for the interview with renewed vigour, particularly focusing on those areas I'd not done very well in in that mock interview, and ultimately did absolutely fine. And by the way, that's why to this day I still offer mock university interviews as part of my study coaching services. Find out more at examstudyexpert.com forward slash mock, M-O-C-K. So for my first wish I had moment, the, my little uh, regret, we fast forward now to my first year uh, as a fresh-faced new student at Cambridge studying natural sciences. If you don't know what natural sciences is, uh, let me just briefly fill you in. It's, it's a really interesting course. Anyone that wants to do any branch of science, be it chemistry, biology, physics, genetics, geology, anything, 
everyone studies natural sciences at Cambridge. There's a few other universities uh, that work in a similar way, um, but they're not common. The idea is that you pick, in your first year, you pick three modules from a set of eight. These options can be very broad. So in my case, the three I picked were chemistry, physics and biology. And then as you go on through second year, third year, you gradually narrow down in on your uh, preferred field, which for me was psychology. So by your final year, uh, by my third year, that was all I was studying. Uh, I was just doing psychology modules uh, and nothing else. My single biggest wish I had from my entire time at Cambridge, I think, relates to uh, my choice of first year modules, uh, and in particular, choosing physics as one of the three I took in first year. If you've only ever taken high school physics, then you honestly have no idea what university level physics is like. No idea. It's like another subject entirely, and for a lot of people, a very hard other subject and myself absolutely included. I, I was totally unprepared. I found it tricky at first and quickly fell into a bad cycle of not fully understanding the lectures, not grappling with the problem sheets long enough to get to grips with the material, and then putting in ever less effort for the lectures and problem sheets because I wasn't really getting it, and thereby getting even worse results and putting in yet less effort to come. Uh, it was one of those vicious cycles that uh, spiralled on downwards. Um now, with what I know now, I think I could have had a very different experience with physics. I would have understood the principle of growth mindset, that you can grow and change and improve in areas, even if you find them hard to start with. And as a result, I would have applied more diligence and more perseverance to the course in general, and especially been much more patient in niggling away on those tough problem sheets to try and push my way through to a solution. I would have, in other words, trusted the process, as Joachim Cassell uh, so wonderfully told us back in episode four, trusting the process that just spending time figuring it out, looking at the worked examples, uh, perhaps looking up alternate explanations, trusting that process will eventually lead to understanding uh, if you're patient enough. But I didn't understand these things as a first-year student. I didn't understand the concept of growth mindset. I didn't understand trusting the process. I didn't understand being patient and niggling away at problems. And and so I, I think at the time, I basically just wasn't ready for, for that course. And I ended up hating my time on it. In hindsight, I think it almost certainly had a detrimental impact on my mental health uh, that year. On the other hand, I think about what I might have picked instead. Uh, for example, there was a course called Evolution and Behaviour. Look at learning about animals and what they do and why. It's fascinating. Like, I'd have loved it. Some students that took that course were watching David Attenborough wildlife documentaries as part of studying. Like, it's amazing. It, sounded, it sounds absolutely wonderful. So I asked myself, like, why did I pick physics, not evolution and behaviour? Absolutely my top regret from student life. So, like, Enough about me. Like, what can you learn from this? Well, I think the single biggest thing is, is just that time. Like, put the time into selecting your courses. You're going to be think you're going to be spending a lot of time over a whole year studying a course or a module. It's a big decision. Get it right, and don't just choose a course because of some vague notion that it's like a good course to do or that you should do it. Picking courses that interest you and you're good at is often a smarter option than struggling through an impressive sounding course that's just making you miserable. And to tie all this up, what I might suggest is developing a process for checking in with yourself 
after a big decision like course selection. So maybe put some time in your diary, one or two weeks into the term or semester, to just sit down with your thoughts for a moment and think very hard about whether you have made the right choices. If there are any niggles, if there are any warning signs, listen to them. Talk to some more people in perhaps in the year above who've taken different options or who took the options you took. Talk to any tutors you've got access to. And above all, don't be afraid to change if it's the right thing to do. You're not quitting. You're not admitting defeat. You're simply stepping forward into a better version of your year's studying where you can look forward to being more successful, less stressed and much happier. I'm going to follow this uh, wish I had with my second wish I had uh, right now, because it ties in uh, a little bit to my my first one just now about choosing physics. Simply, my second wish I had is that I'd gone to bed earlier, uh, particularly in my first year as a student. I don't think it's a coincidence that the courses I was less good at, which included physics, were the 9am lectures first thing in the morning when I was still half asleep, while the courses I did much better on were at 10am after I'd had the chance to wake up a little. The lectures were at 10am, I mean, after I'd had a chance to wake up a little. All the growth mindset uh, concepts in the world would only help me so much if I was going to be nodding off to sleep during those 9am lectures. I was basically really handicapping myself by not being in a mental state to pay proper attention during those classes. So, lessons with hindsight. Um, Look, I was routinely going to bed well after midnight, uh, sometimes well into the small hours of the morning before a a 9am lecture. Bad move. I wanted to be much stricter with bedtime, finding a way to get work done in the day so I wasn't doing it less than at night, uh, and being consistent with a sensible bedtime that got me a decent amount of sleep so I could be focused and alert during those 9am lectures and get what I could out of them. And a final point on this, I, I generally don't approve of caffeine as a strategy to substitute for sleep. Like It doesn't work in the long run. Uh, you need decent amounts of sleep. But at the very least, for those odd occasions where, you know what I mean, you really just couldn't avoid a late night, I probably could have used a coffee before that 9am lecture to at least give me a fighting chance of staying awake for that hour. So, I've got onto my second glad I did moment now. And it's one thing I felt I got really right about my study routine, especially in exam term each year as I was preparing for those crucial big year end tests. It was a simple thing location, where I chose to study. I'd managed to find my way to a room called the Plum Auditorium at my college, a big silent study room with individual desks and an intimidating atmosphere that felt just like an exam hall. Some people hated being in there. The intensity was too much for them. For me, I loved it. All I needed to do was get myself into that room, sitting at a desk, and I could pretty much be guaranteed a wonderful session of work with all the focus and concentration I could wish for. I could pop out for a quick five-minute break, refresh my water bottle, use the loo, come back, no, no, no faffing about on my breaks, take a short one at the top of the hour, come straight back and do another hour, another glorious hour of focus and concentration. No wasted time, no distractions, no getting held up uh, on breaks for longer than I wanted to, no procrastination getting back to work, just head down, getting the study done. That for me was the magic of getting location right. 
lessons here, uh, choosing your location. I mean, hopefully your choice might be starting to expand a little bit. Now we're starting to pull out of the whole global pandemic thing. Uh, you know, I know for a lot of people, the choice of location over the past year or two might have just been your room. Um, but as we move out of that, feel free to take some time to experiment, particularly if you have been used to just being stuck in your room for a lot lately, and find what's right for you. And by the way, if you wanted to see kind of what the rest of my daily routine looked like, uh, you're very welcome to Google the words study routine and my article on extreme study routine secrets for ambitious students should pop up on the first page, probably as maybe the first or second search result. And there you can read a detailed breakdown of how long my day was, when the breaks were, most importantly, the principles underlying the perfect study routine. Because what's perfect for me isn't going to be perfect for you once you understand those principles, you can find the routine that's ideal for you. Again, if you want to find that, just Google study routine and click on my article about extreme study routine secrets for ambitious students. I'll give you one quick principle from that article now for free. Tying back into my previous wish I had just now about not getting enough sleep, by the time it got into the final weeks uh, leading up to year-end exams, when I was doing all that uh, year-end studying in the Plum Auditorium, I was actually getting sleep brilliantly right. I was getting lots of it every single night and waking up with all the energy I needed for the day ahead. Perfect. I'm going to move into my third glad I did now. And for this, I'm going to take a temporary detour from talking about exams and instead just say a couple of words about coursework, uh, graded assignments you complete in your own time i.e. not under exam conditions. When it came to my final year, rather than exams right at the year, we sat the exams at the start of the final term or semester, and then spent the rest of that final term working on an extended research project. I knew once I'd written my last exam paper, and I was beginning that final term of just that research project left to do, that literally the only thing left in my power to influence my final grade was that research project grade. Other people, seeing the end of their years at college in sight, kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit at this point and kind of took things kind of easy. It was certainly possible to get through that project without doing a whole lot of work. It's summertime, it's nice weather, there are other fun things to do in and around the university. But together with my two project teammates, we chose to do absolutely the opposite. And we threw everything we had into creating the best possible project we could in the eight weeks we had. We went the extra mile at every turn, knowing that no matter what score we got on the exams a few weeks previously, that was no longer in our control. All we had in our power now was the power to drag up our overall average with the best possible score we could get for this project. Long story short, it worked. The three of us ended up turning in the project uh, that was not only awarded the top grade possible, but also won a special prize for being the best project uh, in our in our year group. Um, and some years later, I ran into a friend who was a bit younger than me and had gone through the exact same course. And she'd said that a copy of that project is still in the departmental library, uh, unbeknownst to us, um, and had now been very well thumbed by a whole generation of students trying to figure out how to write a really standout project themselves, uh, which was uh, kind of cool. <laughs> um, in my case, that high project mark was exactly what I needed to drag my overall course average just over the grade boundary. I mentioned I graduated with a first class degree. That's that's the highest class possible at UK universities. I'd only got there by a fraction of a percent, like just a whisker. 
And if I'd slacked off in that final term, like many others, and kind of coasted through the project, or even just kind of done a decent job, a half-decent job, and handed in a decent project... I wouldn't have I wouldn't have cleared that boundary. I'd have ended up with a with a two one degree, still decent, but not um, not the top grade possible. Um, if that project had been anything short of excellent, in other words, uh, the overall top grade for the degree just wouldn't have happened for me. So the lesson from all this is simple: control what you can control, and take all the chances you get right up to the last minute. My third uh, wish I had moment is a bit of a shorter one uh, and brings us right back into the world of exam preparation. And specifically around a trick I now teach that I wish I'd known when I was a student. It's one of the most uh, popular tricks I teach my uh, study strategy coaching clients. It's a trick called memory journaling. I've talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, You can listen to a detailed explanation of it back in episode 23, my five minute a day secret to supercharge your learning. Uh, And I'll also be talking about it a bit more on the uh, how to study effectively course that's coming up on the podcast over the next few weeks. But just to give you a, a very brief summary, memory journaling involves spending maybe five to 10 minutes every day writing down the key things that were covered in that day's classes or lectures from memory. You can head back to episode 23 if you want to learn more about the technique. But in my case, it would have worked wonders in helping me learn my course as I'd gone along, rather than leaving all my memorization work to those final precious weeks before the exam. The fourth, glad I did, fourth of four, um, is using flashcards in those final few weeks before the exam. So as I hinted just now, I ended up heading into the final uh, few weeks before exams in most of my years as a university student, feeling like I was pretty behind on what I needed to know versus what I did know uh, for the exams that were coming up a few weeks later. So again, most years I was faced with essentially a mountain of complex scientific knowledge to commit to memory to exam standard in just a few weeks. Again, my third, uh, my, my, my third uh, wish I had just now uh, would have been to use memory journaling throughout the year to avoid getting in that position in the first place. But um, my glad I did is that the thing that saved me, that made it possible for me to uh, turn things around and learn all I needed to learn in such a short space of time, was using flashcards. I now love flashcards. There are lots of different ways to study effectively, and I'll be unpacking many of them over the upcoming season of episodes on how to study effectively. Everyone has their own preferences. For me, it was flashcards. So the formula that saved me from exam embarrassment was that combination of location plus good study routine plus right study technique. The combination of the Plum Auditorium, that location which let me focus, my study routine which gave me lots of time, uh, plus using flashcards, this really, really powerful study technique which let me practice spaced retrieval uh, and commit huge amounts of data to memory in a very short space of time. Honestly, I think I owe my degree more than any other single factor to the humble flashcard. Again, look out for a little episode all about flashcards in a few weeks' time. My fourth and final wish I had to close off this episode is simple. I wish I'd switched to flashcards sooner. Um, Again, I don't believe flashcards are the only efficient choice. There are are other effective techniques. And again, look out for those coming up in the whole season of episodes uh, 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 over the next few weeks about how to study effectively. 
But for me, flashcards were the right choice and it was really the one that, that clicked for me. Prior to this efficient, uh, this epiphany about flashcards, I had wasted countless, countless hours on low-value study strategies as a high schooler and even into the first year or two as a university student. Uh, I was rereading, I was making summary notes, and I think in particular, I was writing out these incredibly detailed, neat, coloured-in mind maps and spider diagrams, because that's how I'd been taught to study at school. Hours and hours of careful and painstaking work but with really relatively limited memory benefit to show from it. As I'll be talking about on the How to Study Effectively course, like just the act of drawing a mind map, like it helps to organise and structure the knowledge in your mind. There's a little bit of benefit from that, but there's no magic to it. Just drawing that out, no matter how neatly you make it, no matter how many colours you put on it, that's not going to magically make the information sink into memory. And so it was for me, like all that time I'd spent on those study strategies amounting to like countless, countless weeks, months of my teenage years, all that time that I'll never get back. I really don't want that to happen to you, which is part of the reason I'm so passionate now about uh, helping students study effectively. And part of the reason I'm so excited to be bringing you the upcoming audio course on how to study effectively, coming up, as, I, as I've said now, uh, right here on the podcast for free over the next few weeks. Part one of this course is coming your way next week uh, when I'll be starting things off with a rundown of my top foundational principles for effective study. The six pillars uh, for student success on which everything else we'll cover in the course rests. This is going to be a really important episode. I think this will basically become the uh, number one episode I always refer new listeners to. Um, so I really do hope you'll uh, be able to join us next week for that and the six principles of, uh, sorry, the six pillars of student success. Uh, coming up a little further down the line in a couple of weeks time, we'll have the first of our student story episodes. Uh, and that's going to be a really good one to kick things off. So do tune in for that. Looking a little further ahead, we'll be getting into that series of deep dive episodes I mentioned, breaking down the precise steps you need to follow to study effectively using specific techniques. Flashcards is on the list, uh, as well as much, much more. And that wraps things up for today. Let me just briefly run through again the lessons from my four glad I did moments and four wish I had moments uh, before I leave you. So again, my first glad I did moment, the power of mock interviews and more generally mock exams to highlight those places where we need to do more work. My first wish I had moment that I uh, hadn't picked physics as my first year module and picked something else instead. So uh, lesson here being to put the time and thought into choosing your modules. It's a big decision and don't be afraid to change it uh, if you feel you need to. My second wish I had was simply going to bed earlier. My second glad I did was where to study. Uh, and finding that plum auditorium where I could really concentrate and focus. The third glad I did is controlling what you can control, taking all the chances you can get. Uh, in my case, putting all that time and effort into a really stellar year-end project. The third wish I had was doing memory journaling throughout the year, so I had less pressure on the final run-up to exams because I was more on top of my course because I'd been learning it as I'd gone along. 
however, the fourth GLAD I did was using flashcards in those final few weeks before the exam, which pretty much uh, saved me and got me over the line, got me to know what I needed to know. And then my fourth and final wish I had, uh, simply that I wish I'd switched to flashcards sooner, uh, in particular in my high school days, and saved myself all that time using low-value study strategies. Thank you so much for listening today. It's been a real pleasure to be uh, back with you, wishing you every success as always in your studies. Study smart and have fun. Thanks for listening. Wasn't that wonderful? If you're feeling inspired, why not leave us a rating and a review in your podcast app? It would make our day. Thanks again for listening and see you soon.